Hey there, everybody. Brian King here. Welcome to episode three of the On Purpose Man. I'm here with my colleague and partner, Steve Garvin. Uh, Frank Labuda, our third musketeer, is still having some technical glitches. Now, this is the third episode where he's had a hard time joining us. And one of the reasons is because he lives in a chain of islands off the coast of Morocco. Okay? He lives in the Canary Islands. And it seems like, technologically speaking, they're not as up to snuff as the mainland. So, mm-hmm. Frank, will keep trying to join us. We'll try and figure out how to help him overcome the, the technical glitches. But in the meantime, you have Steve and I. And the three of us meet once a week, kind of brainstorm, you know, where are we at as men in our own journey? You know, what do we want to contribute to our on-purpose man group on Facebook? And we also talk about what we'd like to bring to you during these shows. And Frank began talking about authenticity, you know, and how we help men show up not just as a man, but as who they truly are without that big veneer, without that surface mask that society indoctrinates us into. Now, of course, easier said than done, because if you have a, the childhood that I did, you know, the locker rooms in school where you have the muscle-bound guys picking on the, the smaller guys, I was one of those you know, smaller, skinny guys, not athletic by any means, and I took a lot of grief for it. So when you're competing against that, it's understandable that some kind of wall would develop over time, some kind of persona you would develop to defend yourself against this onslaught of criticism from Neanderthal men that you're surrounded by your whole life. So once you get to an age where you are ready to embrace your confidence and your authenticity, and you can have the mental wherewithal to withstand that negativity, then it's easier to start exploring, well, who am I? Who am I really? Who did I want to be all these years, but was too afraid to put it out there? So I'll kind of open up this discussion to anybody that's in the chat room. I'm going to bring my buddy Steve in here. You know, growing up, Steve, did you receive similar messages to what I had to deal with, or did you have different ones? Well, I definitely didn't have the same issues. Um because I was never really bullied, especially not physically. Um, and part, I don't really know why that is. I mean, I was on the weightlifting team and wrestling and all that type of stuff. So, well, um, that says it all right there. <laughs> um, but I'm a shorter guy. I mean, I, I don't know many guys that are as short as I am. So, uh, well, how tall are you? I'm, I'm five foot two maybe a little bit north of that, but, but not much. And uh, so that presented its own challenges, uh, you know, literally always looking up to everybody. Um, and, and it was something that I had, and it's something I see in my kids too, that, you know, they're all shorter. The, the tallest person in my family is maybe a couple of inches taller than I am. So, um, so there's that challenge, but I think really where I struggled with 
dealing more with, uh, you know, being vulnerable and authentic was just more in modeling. Um, and, and I'm not positive of, of where that came from, but I know my dad was always kind of, he was a very sensitive person, but he wasn't comfortable sharing that himself. And he came from a generation where I think that was really not acceptable. That, you know, men don't show their emotions. They don't show their feelings. They, um, you know, they're always very stoic and, and, um, and you know, just more kind of the idea of the, the macho man. Um, so I never really saw anybody modeling being the guy that, that cries or the guy that, you know, that, that is more compassionate. And I'll be completely authentic and vulnerable here and admit that I cry at almost every, you know, happy ending in a movie or something. Uh, I mean, you, it, it, you and me both. <laughs> I, I avoid chick flicks because if there's heartbreak or loss, <laughs> you know, I start tearing up. I, I totally hear you on that one. Yeah. Well, I do it for the other side too. Like when the guy gets the girl or when, you know, they win the game at the end of the show or, or whatever that it's, I don't know. I, I really like those success stories and, um, and I totally hear you on the other side too. It's like I tear up over like everything. Um, and a lot of that has just been coming in the last, I think that's always been the case to some extent, but it's been especially the case in the last few years. And part of that I think is just dealing with my own emotional struggles with depression and so forth that it, I getting more sensitive and, and being more aware of, of the struggles that other people have makes it me more sensitive in general. So um, it's just interesting how that happens. Well, uh, one way that's truly a blessing for us is as coaches, whether it be for men or women, it's helpful to have a high degree of emotional intelligence. You know, be in touch with your empathic self. Yes, if not, how on earth can you invite other people into that space? Right. Yeah. So, and, and, I, and it's a communication form, too, if you think about it. I mean, it's um, just being able to, to sense other people's feelings, their own, their struggles and their challenges that, um, you know, one of the things that people struggle with, and I know I do at times, too, is that we feel alone in our in our struggle and our suffering, that nobody understands what it's like for us to to be there um, and it's really comforting to find people who do understand who've been there you know whether that be in my case a couple of examples are one just dealing with depression and severe depression um people that, that get that we kind of you know we can speak the same language another example is um this happened when our oldest son was born and he was born 11 weeks premature. And so it was spent three and a half months, I think in the in ICU and just having, and there was an organization called parent to parent that where other parents that had experienced the same thing would come in and, and, you know, talk to the, the parents that were there. And it was just a godsend that, that 
there were other people who'd gone through it and who years later had healthy kids that, you know, that had been in NICU. Um, you know, so it was, it was comforting to see that. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you don't even realize there's a community to support you until you're in that problem. You know, when, right. when my oldest boy back in the day was first diagnosed with Asperger's, I'd heard of it because I've got a master's in social work. I read about it briefly in one of my classes, you know, autism, mm. Asperger's, so I, I knew it extremely superficially. But as soon as I hit Google, it's amazing how much was out there. But you don't know it until you need it. Right, right. And now that we're in the era of Facebook, you know, one thing that's really beautiful, I was having a, a messaging back and forth with a, a person this morning, is that when people are beginning to explore new aspects of themselves, and they're feeling kind of vulnerable, you can do these things privately. You can send mm -hmm. an email. You can message somebody and begin to ask some questions. You know, I just got contacted yesterday from somebody who was just diagnosed with ADHD as an adult and has no idea where to begin. Because mm -hmm. if you're diagnosed by a psychiatrist, it's, well, you have ADHD. Here are the medications we recommend. Right, exactly. Yeah? And, and there's, there's not a whole lot, depending on how informed the psychiatrist is, there's not a whole lot beyond that. So it's wonderful yeah. that we have these connections. I mean, Frank, out there in the Canary Islands, you are Washington State, right? And, I am, yeah. And unless we showed up at a conference someplace and happened to be sitting at the same table, you know, it's unlikely that we would have crossed paths. Right. So Absolutely. it's 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 the best time ever to begin looking into the resources you need other people that are on the same path and ideally further along the path than you are to begin looking to and saying, where did you start? Mm -hmm. You know, these are the questions. Did you come up with answers to these questions? What's your take? So like you said, modeling, wanting to be more authentic. Some people don't even know what that means because they become so identified with the mask, with the quote appropriate behavior that they might not even know what their authentic self looks like. They just have this feeling that there's something more to them that they haven't tapped into and they need some help peeling back those layers. And, you know, that's one of the reasons we started the On Purpose Man Group on Facebook was to give the guys that space to dialogue and ask questions. Right. And, you know, as you're talking, one of the things that came to mind is that we're so ingrained to have the answers to, um, you know, know how to solve the problem or to, um, you know, achieve the goal or, or whatever. And being authentic and being vulnerable, part of that is is coming more from a question and more of a wondering and, and admitting that we don't have the answers, that, you know, that we're trying to, to figure out what those are. And it's a process. I mean, as we go through that, I think that we, we start to find certain answers. But then there are like more questions that, that arise. You don't know what you don't know until, you know, you learn something. Um, and so it, it's a continual process. We're never done becoming the on-purpose man. You're absolutely right. And that's... That's something that's important for anybody to understand is 
if you have a growth mindset, you know, there's there's this wonderful book by Carol Dweck called Mindset. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And she goes into tremendous depth comparing the fixed versus the growth mindset. The fixed mindset is when you decide this is the way it is, this is who I am, this is reality, and there's no flexibility in those conclusions. But if you realize that, hey, I'm in this for growth, you know, I'm constantly taking in feedback and I'm processing it and I'm adjusting to the needs of the moment, and the people with the growth mindset are naturally much more authentic because they're much more introspective. They're looking at themselves, they're looking at their environment, they're looking at the nature of their relationships, and they're adjusting as needed. And it's a much more exciting way to live. Because you, know, you are living within that sense of wonder, of curiosity, as opposed to being bored all the time because you're waiting for the world to bring entertainment to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not spending any time in that inner world. So... Yeah, one of the interesting things too is um, that was a little weird. Um, I'm just playing. I'm, I'm playing with the tech. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you were cloning yourself or what. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't even handle one of me, let alone two. <laughs> um, but in Carol Dweck's studies, that the first instance was when she gave some. I don't know if it was the first, but one of the early ones was when she gave children some puzzles to, to work with. And a lot of the kids were got really frustrated because they couldn't figure it out. And uh, you know, they ended up blaming the, the puzzle or, you know, kind of the circumstances. Whereas the kids who were of a growth mindset were turned on by it. They were excited about the challenge and what they were learning and, and you know, the kind of the excitement of it. And um, just to plug another book, uh, one of Carol Dweck's protégés, Heidi Grant Halverson, has written a number of books along the same lines. She wrote the book Succeed. Pretty sure I know it's Succeed or Success, but um, that that builds upon Carol Dweck's books, and and you know it's that whole idea that that we it's okay, in fact, it's good to not have all the answers, not uh, be stuck in thinking that we've got to be right all the time. Um, and that's one thing that came out in those who, who have more of a fixed mindset. They were really concerned that they weren't the smartest person in the class or that they didn't have the answers. And they had, they had this identity of, and I know I was stuck in this for quite a while that you know I, i've always done really well academically and i'm oftentimes the you know the have the highest grades in the class or, or whatever so i was kind of set on that that i'm you know i'm the smart guy and have all the answers but it really limited how much i was learning because i i wasn't and i think especially on a more vulnerable side and um, I mean, you can always look up things in the book or, or do Google or, or, or whatever, but um, things of the heart aren't so easy to look up that it comes more from experience and growth and, and being vulnerable. And, oh, yeah, uh, and our education system has no interest in that. 
you know, it's right. It's, it's read, remember, and regurgitate. You know, how can we do well on the test today? And it also reinforces the fixed mindset where it's an A or it's a B. You're number one in the class. You know, my, my oldest boy just graduated high school, and they called off the top 10 people in the class, and they all stood and got applause. I'm like, okay, what about the kid with special needs that worked his ass off? And to him, getting C's and B's is like winning a gold medal. Right. And, Absolutely. and that individual accomplishment's not rewarded. So all this mindset stuff can feel like a tangent, and it is. With my ADHD brain, I welcome it. But it also <laughs> speaks to the authenticity. Because if you are given these very fixed ideas about what it means to be a man, this is a man, this isn't, and you buy into that BS, then you can grow up thinking there's something wrong with you because you're more sensitive. You're more inclined to be heart-centered. And you know what Steve and I have been discussing is that there's another side to that coin. You know, the growth mindset, that introspective, curious way of engaging the world, of engaging relationships, so that you allow yourself to just kind of be with whatever comes up, to, to not try and hide or resist any of your natural feelings or, or thoughts that arise. Would you agree, Steve? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, and one of the things I really like and am working towards is, is embracing everything. You know, we, one of the things that I've recently started to get aware of is just more, and this is just one example, but get more aware of the, the mind body connection in your, you know, how much are we're affected by, our physiology, how much we're affected by our, our posture or our, how we're standing or, or, or sitting or anything. Um, there's just, it's like our beings are, is the, the last great unexplored territory, you know, and, and it's a territory that all of us can journey upon and, and embark upon it and, and explore new things. Um, you know, that's one of the things that's beautiful about life. Is that we're all unique and we all bring something different to the table, different experiences, different emotions, different feelings, different education. And, uh, you know, and I love a rich, vibrant life. And, and the only way to get there is to be open, to be vulnerable and authentic. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, I practice meditation every day at least once. And, that's a great way to connect with your body because you're breathing, you're conscious of your breathing and it sinks you into your abdomen, into your center. And then the thoughts that come into your mind, you learn to have an observant role in relationship to them. You don't try and shut the thoughts out of thoughts of fear, anxiety, confidence, anything that comes in, you develop an accepting relationship of it. And one little nugget I heard many, many years ago from a colleague is she said, it may not be fair, but it is the reality. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about accepting everything, you know, one of the things that keeps us away from our authenticity is this resistance to things that are uncomfortable. You know, that's right. not fair. That's not right. That shouldn't be happening. Well, it's there for a reason. You know, it didn't just come out of thin air. Spend some time with it. You know, get right. to know it. Observe it. Get a sense of, 
why did this show up now? Is there a lesson here? Is there something I can do with it? So accepting everything doesn't mean you're happy about it all. You know, it means that you let it in, that you find some way to use it productively. Right. And in service of authenticity, that is a tremendous place to begin. You know, it's just observing all the things that you tend to push back against when it enters your life. And instead, give yourself permission to accept it honestly. Observe it for a while. If you need to journal, if you need to talk it out, if you need to email, you know, Steve or I to kind of kick it around with you a little bit, please do so. Because remember, you're not alone in this. Or, you know, although statistically we're outnumbered by the ladies, there are a lot of guys out there that are walking a similar path. And we're more than happy to, to you know, share with you what it is that we've discovered along our own path. And you're probably going to find more so than not that there are more similarities and differences. That tends to be the case. Don't you think, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of to counter the statistics thing, there have been studies that, that show that there are just as many empathetic men as there are, are women, but, but it's kind of more of a cultural thing that you know that there's more space for women to be you know more vulnerable to be more feeling to be more emotional and, and empathetic um and and i think you know how cool would it be if we as as men and not just you and i but you know as a culture um we're more open and more able to you know reach out emotionally and um sensitivity wise to, to those in our lives that we would be so much more available to people. What's beautiful and, and back to good old internet and things like blab and Facebook is I'm finding more and more guys like this and they're not in my backyard. They're not in my neighborhood. Right. You know, they're in other parts of the world. They're sure as hell not in my family. You know, <laughs> so Having having that community really helps you build up that confidence that you know somebody has your back. You know you're not an alien, that you're some right. you know, freak of nature because all the rest of the guys around you are these closed off, as you said earlier, stoic, emotional men that want to attack you or jab you or tease you at the slightest hint of vulnerability. So... I think, I honestly think that the tools we're using today to build community have the potential to create a big shift you know, in what it means to be a man. One of the, the one population I'm seeing it the most in is millennials. You know, I'm seeing a lot of young guys that are really passionate, they're cause driven. You know, yeah. they talk about how they connect with theirs, with their daughters and those little vulnerable moments and how they, you know, choke up when they see their their boy at, at bat at the you know the little league game or whatever. And I love seeing that stuff because I'm thinking this is a dad that's raise an emotionally intelligent child. And it's mm -hmm. also a dad that's gonna model for girls, you don't need to look for a stereotype. You know, going after the jock that you know is all about muscles and, and whatever. So I hope that we are doing our little bit to open up the conversation more about the fact that 
there you can be a much more complete man you can use all of yourself you can let it all in and still be a man you know it doesn't make you weak it doesn't make you you know sissy or less than it makes you much more complete those are my thoughts yeah you know and one of the things that would that's cool of that about that approach is you know when our children have an emotion you know that they don't freak out about it that it's okay and that it's um that they're accepted and totally fine that you know that they're either my son came to me the other day and just talked about how he's dealing with anxiety and you know not just like normal anxiety but more severe and you know we were able to talk about it you know it wasn't oh my gosh my son is dealing with anxiety it's yeah you know i i get it and you know let's talk about some strategies about how to deal with it let's you know figure out uh, you know what we can do it wasn't like you know kind of a sense of, of not rejecting my son but rejecting the illness it's okay to have challenges and um, you know my, my mantra around that is my challenges are an opportunity to be resourceful. You know, so you come up with depression or anxiety or ADHD, then your first your first question or your first statement is to acknowledge it. So, OK, you know, we're having some anxiety. All right, then. Then you start asking, you know, what do we need to get through it? Not to shove it in the background, not to deny it, but to actually work with it. Yeah. And there are one so, thing that, many, so many tools out there. One thing that definitely doesn't work is, is throwing it under the rug or putting it in the closet or something. I mean, mm -hmm. we're you know, starting to, to see more of an allowance for, for different types of diversity, you know, and, and part of that diversity is dealing with, with challenges of, of, you know, emotional distress or, or, or you know, mental health issues. Um, or physical issues. I mean, you and I both kind of come with a, a, a complement of, of challenges. Um, you know, it, and I think that makes sense. As you wrote, I'm not sure if it was recently, but I came across it recently about, you know, that really is an opportunity, that you're grateful for the challenges that, that you have encountered. And I'm the same way. A lot of people that know I've dealt with depression are like, wow, I'm so glad you're done with it. And I'm like, I'm so glad I've had it because, you know, it's been a great teacher. It's been a great, you know, way to know which direction I need to go because if I start, you know, getting more depressed, I know that I'm heading in the wrong, wrong direction. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the glass is either half full or half empty, but um, we can look at our challenges as being this horrible thing or we can look at our challenges as opportunities, like you mentioned. Yeah, I shared a video on my profile, I think it was earlier in the week, from Oprah. And right. she had some absolutely fantastic advice. And one of the, the things she said is that failure is just life saying, wake up, you're going in the wrong direction. You know, it's, not, yeah. it's not something that's personal or meant to establish that you are a loser. You know, as, as many people take it in and personalize it, she says, no, it's none of that. Every mistake, yeah. every failure is just saying, ah, wrong direction, change course. 
And I love that. And not only it's simple, but it's also profound. You know, um, one, I saw that and I shared it like everywhere. Um, I, but part of that is sometimes it's that we need to do a 180. Sometimes it's that we need to change 15 degrees or mm -hmm. something, you know, um, and you, you need to be aware and, and, and experience those feelings of vulnerability and office authenticity, because as you do, you become, have a greater facility to determine in which direction you need to go and how much you need to change. Um, you know, I, it, there are lots and lots of course corrections that, that we have the opportunity to do. And our yeah, life I'm, becomes richer. I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, the the two millimeter rule. Hmm. You familiar with that one? I'm not familiar with that one now. It's I had to try and find the story. It's it's either one millimeter, two millimeters. But Tony Robbins sold this story where he was working with a golf pro and he kept slicing like crazy, hmm. having these these having this horrible day. And when the the golf pro finally gave him some advice. He showed him that if he just moved the position of his club, but two millimeters one way or another, it'll be the difference between hitting it straight and hmm. just that slight difference. And when I'm coaching people, I look for the two millimeter change because if you give hmm. somebody too much change at one time, it'll feel overwhelming. It's easier for the I can't. This is too much. I don't know if I can handle it. But giving them one little shift that as time goes on can create this exponential change, that's a lot easier for people to swallow, you know, that nuance. And fortunately, I've become you know, particularly skilled over the years at uh, working with folks like that because folks with Asperger's and ADHD tend to be very stubborn. Mm. And <laughs> the, the more change you ask of them, the less likely they are to do it. So those those little shifts are important. And that's a, a good message for anybody, you know, especially the guys looking in is we're not asking you to walk up to your wife and say, honey, I just want to let you know I have feelings and here they come. You know, that's that, that's not right, what we dump. that's not what we're promoting. Yeah. The big, big emotional dump of all the different stuff that's you know, compiled over the years. So this is a subject, of course, that we could talk about for hours, you know, like most of our conversation. But hopefully we've given you enough value, enough to think about today, where you can begin to look at what it would take for you to begin exploring your own authenticity. And by all means, stop by our Facebook group, The On Purpose Man. Check in with Frank and Steve and I, and let us support you in this journey, because Ultimately, we're all in this together. You don't have to do it alone, and we won't let you do it alone. We'll have your back. So thanks for another awesome conversation, Steve. I enjoy this every single time we do it. Yeah, me too. So thank you, Brian. Very welcome. Have an awesome day, everybody, and we will see you next week. All right.